Thank you. Oh, okay. I, I can hear myself? Okay, cool. Thank you so much for the beautiful introduction. As Christoph mentioned, my name is Hilary. I'm part of the Common Voice team as the community manager at Mozilla. And today, I am going to be your cyber doula, helping you understand how to use a computer through conversation. So what is a cyber doula? A few years ago, I read an article written by Yar Ade interviewing a person called Olivia and they're known on IG as cyber doula. A cyber doula, according to them, is being a cyber doula can take multiple forms, including demystifying internet jargon by reading terms and conditions for loved ones, um, or sending helpful articles to friends that encourage them to ask more introspective questions. My cyber doula specialism is voice technology. I need to also clarify, I'm not a linguist by training, I'm a community manager. There's slight nuances, but you can be both. But anyway, um, the project I work on is Common Voice and people have been using it across the world um, to create voice tools such as um, the um, Welsh Voice Assistance, um, COVID-19 chatbots that understand Kinyarwanda, French and English, um, and there's also a variety of ways in which people can use it and you can use it and you can download it for free today via commonvoice.mozilla.org slash datasets. And currently there's like 99 languages such as Basque, Swedish, um, whoop whoop. Um, yeah, so um, before I start with my session with you to be your cyber doula, um, also, um, apologies if I speak quite fast because I'm very nervous. Um, I would like to know a little bit more about you. My talk does include a little bit of audience interaction, but don't fret. There are two questions and they're, of course, about voice technology. So things such as voice assistance, speech recognition based like phone lines when you're trying to call your bank and be like, hey, I needed this information. And it's like not greeted by a person, you're greeted by a robot. But anyway. Raise your hand or ask your, um, your person right next to you if they can do it on your behalf, if you find voice technology curious. Cool, okay, I'm in the right room, yeah. Um, the second question is, um, raise your hand if you find voice technology frustrating. I'm also in the right room, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing, okay. So through our cyber doula session, um, I am going to take you on a journey on how we speak to computers. We will explore a space through time via imagination. All journeys need a compass and our compass will be two questions. The first question is, how would an artist view our conversation? Um, well, sorry, how would our artist view our conversation with computers? So how we speak to computers. And then the second question would be, what would the viewer of the art think about the piece? As we go on this journey, I wanna encourage you to journal your own responses rather than transcribing everything I say, because as we are well aware, YouTube automatic transcription is very accurate. Um, but anyway, I, I, I realized that pun didn't land well. <laughs> anyway, um, it, will expect, it will make more sense in a bit, but anyway. Um, so every time you see the frame on the left-hand side, it's basically the artist's frame. And on the right hand side, you'll be seeing um, they're like portals to the viewer's response to the painting. So let's get into the painting. So the artist starts the painting with binary code, a foundational aspect of modern computers. Zeros, zeros, ones, zeros, ones populate the canvas. After a long day at work at NASA, empowering team members as they explore the science of air and space travel, 
Dr. Christine Darden walks into the room, her big brown eyes watching the artist painting. She sees the beauty in computation, like constellations as vast as the night sky. You might know Christine's story from the blockbuster film Hidden Figures. Christine, a black woman, aspiring engineer, started at NASA in 1967 as a human computer. Eight years before Christine joined NASA officially, it actually officially became the segregated workplace because, as you will be aware, in the States, Jim Crow laws um, made like, racial segregation across different areas of life, from the workplace to water fountains and etc. Programmed inequality of sexism and racism was commonly experienced and impacted the experiences of women and black women computers in NASA. Equally qualified, but not recognised, seen as sub-professionals compared to male counterparts, Christine advocated for herself with support from colleagues. Dr. Christine was the first black woman to be promoted to a senior position and helped the advancement of sonic boom research. I chose to highlight Christine's story because she was a human computer. It's important that we start here before moving to like smart home devices, etc., etc., um, because our relationships with computers first start with people. Digital technology is more than just code, it's social technical, bringing together the social sphere and the technical sphere. So, the artist tries to revisit the painting and pivots and paints another layer, the rise of voice technology. Hark the error of voice interfaces, from dictation software, hidden Markova models, to voice virtual assistants and smart homes. Voice technology, in particular speech-to-text, is becoming better at transforming our analogue speech, processing it into acoustic models that predict what we're saying with guidance from a language model. A 5'7", 25-year-old, dark-skinned woman with short hair walks into the artist's paint shop. That person is I. Um, I notice how the artist's attentive eye focuses on the user interface, the point of contact. So like, if you have a Mac, um, you probably notice on your screen or even on your phone, if you're Android as well, gotta, gotta love Android and, and Mac people use this. But anyway, um, this icon is usually used when you're like doing speech recognition, or, well, not speech recognition, you're using um, speech recognition services. So I was diagnosed with dyslexia at the age of 22. Um, I questioned how communication impacted my social relations in school, at home and at work. I remember when the assessor shared that there are tools such as voice dictation software that can help me filter my mind's thoughts and punctuate phrases and words. So I'm going to cough. <coughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, um, as a side note, um, don't smoke. <laughs> okay. Um, but the point of contact of voice tech is voice assistance, which left me so frustrated. Did you know a Stanford study on, that researched the word error rate, so like the percentage in which like speech recognition incorrectly predicts the word that you're trying to say? They did an assessment on Microsoft speech recognition and Apple's software and found a 20% word error rate and 45% error rate respectively for black people compared to white people who had a 15% error rate and 23% respect, um, respectively. And if you're interested in ex like exploring this artistically, there is an artist called Johan Diederich who has made a project called Dark Matters, which is like a visual experience of the lack of black voices within like voice data sets. Um, and to give a tangible story of like how like voice recognition system has ever annoyed me um, is, so um, as you can see in my hand today, I have three rings. Um, they really have all different stories. There was one ring that used to be here, but then I had to go through the fire, um, the fire department to get my ring cut off because they have 
um, in the UK, you can get like a ring cutter taken off because when your rings are too tight, it's not a nice experience, um, as I've learned way too many times. But um, when I went to the first station, this place that I live in, South London, um, there was no one at the station, so I decided to ring the, the, um, the fire department number. And I was greeted with an automatic voice. So I'm like, hi, is anyone there? And then like, they asked me which station I want to reach to, and then um, I say Peckham, and they respond with, so you want to reach to Dagenham? And if you know London geography well, Peckham is South London, Dagenham is far, far East London. So, anyway, building on this, the performance, um, or building on the performance of like voice technology, there are 3,000 languages spoken across the world, and they don't share the same space due to social technical influences. For example, is there a single African language available on Alexa and Siri? The short answer is no. Um, as mentioned before, I was a part of the State of the Internet Languages report by Whose Knowledge, Oxford Institute um, of the Internet and Internet Society of India as a reviewer. And it was a beautiful experience. It launched this year and it's the first of its kind. Sorry, I got here. Got... <coughs> okay, I want to have a little bit of water. Okay, so... Um, the authors analysed languages available on platforms used for messaging, learning and social media knowledge. For example, Facebook and WhatsApp. And they found, to give a quote from that research, even within highly represented language regions such as Europe, the differences between Eastern European and other European languages show that there is a potential marginalisation, even within relatively well-supported regions. So how does one maintain speaking languages when the digital lingua franca is their third or second or fourth spoken language? Um, so in my family home, uh, my mom speaks Swahili and Samia. Uh, they're both spoken in East Africa. And both these languages are like, uh, would be grouped as in NLP as like quote unquote low resource. Um, but like if we deep it, like the reason why they're like, they're like that is because they've experienced things such as language suppression through like education and colonial policy. And essentially languages are people. Um, but that being said, that doesn't necessarily mean that people are not organizing regarding like the digitization of tech for their languages. So to give some examples, at Common Voice we have like fellows. Um, our fellows, our current fellows are based in East Africa and they support the growth of the key Swahili language and use case developments. And in fact, this week they are in Tunisia at Deep Learning in Daba conference by Masakane NLP, which centers and builds community around African NLP, natural language processing experts, building tools for African languages. So I question, and I think to the artist, like, whose state of the instant languages is the artist drawn to? So going on to our third experience of the artist trying to rethink how this picture looks like, um, attempting to read between the lines, the artist places the hand on their chest, pondering if they could depict the expansiveness of language, from sign language, body movement, social linguistics, and politics. Attempting this, the collect a collective of data ethicists walk into the room and they notice the desire to be, the artist's desire to be multidimensional. Do you remember during the pandemic, like our obsession with like seeing people's um, bookshelves um, when we were watching like Zoom and et cetera? Um, these ethicists probably had books such as like Data Feminism, Race After Technology, Atlas of AI, The Smart Wife, et cetera. Um, one of the things that the ethicists tried to contend with is misinterpretations of the artwork. Would the prominent images of voice AI look like 
only a woman's voice? Would the voice AI follow every command, even if it's a derogatory request? Will the planetary impacts also be considered within the sketches and the shadows of the painting? How would the voice data flow across the infrastructure? Is there an ethics of care that engages with the social linguistic and indigenous sovereignty? Would only big tech um, and big Western tech, and to be particular, be the kingmakers of voice technology experiences? Could only um, neurotypical and um, like essentially like this, this, like you know, when you talk about um, Queen's English kind of examples, um, be understood? rather than languages such as sign language or people that experience speech pathologies. Um, in 2020, a research paper called All Rise, the AI Dictator, um, eliciting possible futures of voice technology through story completion, asked 149 people to make speculative fiction about voice technology. So they were given a prompt and then they had to write a story. Um, to quote the research, stories covered a wide range between utopian and dystopian visions, as well as the mundane, but skewed towards darker and more negative tones. 38% of these stories were coded as having negative valence compared to 11% that were positive in nature. For the remaining 51%, the story tone was either neutral or ambiguous. Some of the narratives in the stories ranged from like gendered voice assistance, others raised privacy concerns, others um, reflected on a change of voice assistance from moving to transactional relationships to more intimate ones. We don't all speak to computers the same way and therefore have different experiences and different impacts. Our first viewer, Christine, gave us an embodied experience of the computer contending with the social and political forces of play. Our second viewer, myself, highlighted that not all of us speak to computers using voice technology as our accents and languages aren't equitably resourced. Our final viewer, our data ethicists, contested with aspects of data governance and design of voice products. So I ask you, how will we garden the future of our possibilities to speak with computers? Thank you for listening.